Now, have you ever known a family that puts the word fun in dysfunctional? You know the families I'm talking about. Sure you do. There's the sibling rivalry between brothers who are so totally different in every way possible, and you wonder how they ever came from the same parents. The younger brother uh, does everything he can to supplant his older brother. The younger brother manipulates his parents against the other sibling and against the other parent just to get his way. He steals from the older brother of what was the older brother's, and, and, and he doesn't have any remorse or guilt for it. He lies. He twists the truth to bend it to his favor and direction. And it finally gets so bad that he has to run away from home because of the turmoil and the dissension and pain that he's caused in his family. His dad is dying. His mother is beside herself and is all worried about what's going to happen to him as he runs away and gives him directions on how to secure and find a good wife. And his older brother is out to hunt him down and kill him. Friends, I've just set up the scripture for this morning. You see, our scripture today is about this wonderful, this colorful, dysfunctional family of the Old Testament, Isaac, Rebekah, Esau, and Jacob. Jacob, the conniving younger brother. In our story today, we are finding Jacob on the run as uh, he has stolen his brother's birthright and is now on the lamb. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 18, or excuse me, 10 through uh, 19. And uh, what we have here is a description of Jacob on the run. If you get a chance a little bit later today, I would encourage you to go back and read 27 chapters 27 and the first part of Genesis 28 as well. It paints an interesting picture. Friends, let's listen to the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and he stayed there for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place. And he dreamed. There was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside Jacob and said, I am the Lord God, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. 
Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep. And he said to himself, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob, he rose early in the morning. And he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar. And he poured oil on it. And he called the place... Bethel. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God indeed. One of my favorite authors is fellow Georgian Barbara Brown Taylor, and she writes in one of her books called The Altar in the World about a trip she takes to Hawaii. And uh, walking along the beach in Hawaii, she came to this secluded place where there's this beautiful, serene pool. And she, she says, quote, walking around the pool on the far side of the deepest place, I came to three stones that were set upright on the edge of the water. And they looked like little French baguettes with the tallest one in the middle. The other two were set snug right up against it, and the same gray color as the humpback whales were these rocks. Now, all together, these rocks, they announced something significant had taken place in this spot. Whatever came before me had set up this altar. And though I might never know what that person encountered on this spot, I knew the name of the place. It was Bethel, the house of God. Years ago, a friend of mine, Robbie Carroll, preached a sermon called A Place of Remembered Blessing. It's where I get my title for today's sermon. And though I cannot remember the specific of, specifics of Robbie's sermon, I can remember the title and have kept with it for over 30-something years. You see, a place of remembered blessing, Bethel. A place where you are surprised by God's presence when you weren't expecting it. You're taken aback. And you know that you have been surprised, like C.S. Lewis says, surprised by divine joy. This is what Jacob discovered that, day, that night. It was all Jacob could do but to erect a rock pile, a monument, an altar, and call it Bethel. Surely this is the house of God. Now, our story today is laced with four incredible strands of grace and good news. I just want to lift them up for you briefly. 
The first thread of grace and good news in the story is that even even though uh, Jacob was a scoundrel, even though he was a jerk, he is still usable and he is still needed by God. It's a story where you and me, we are reminded that God can use anyone, even scoundrels like Jacob, like you, like me, to accomplish the task God has before us. Our text reminds us that there is not a single person in the world that the Lord cannot show or reveal himself to if it's God's choice to do so. Former professor of mine at Columbia Seminary, Walter Brueggemann, he says the remarkable thing about this story is not God's appearance, but that God would show up to such a conniving, exiled person. That's the first strand of grace. The second strand of grace that we were able to pluck from this story is that even though Jacob did not know God, God knew Jacob. We often think that a person has to be looking, consciously looking for God before God can be revealed to him or to her. And this is simply not the case. There are many families, and you know them, where one family member believes in the good news of the gospel, but other members of the family don't get it. They don't understand. Our story, my friends, gives us hope that either in our own family or in the life of those in our family, even though there may be recalcitrance towards God, that God will show up and love them into the kingdom when they are able to hear the whisper of the Spirit. they will be able to hear the divine word of God when God shows up unexpected. Believe me, friends, there, there, I doubt there are many families who are as dysfunctional as this family that we're reading about in Scripture today. The third strand of grace The third strand of good news is that though Jacob was stuck smack dab in the middle of nowhere. Now, I want you to think about going going west of here. And you're out not on Alligator Alley. You're off some back roads off of Alligator Alley near the Masuki Reservation, near the Everglades City, way out there in nowhere. This is where Jacob was. And there God was waiting for him. The good news reminds us there is no place we can go. There's no place we can flee our loved ones, escape life circumstances, escape people, or even try to escape God where God is not already there. Now, the fourth strand of good news in our story is that God shows up and appears to Jacob in a way that Jacob 
could hear and in a way that matched Jacob's personality. That is, God shows up in a dream. Remember, Jacob was a master manipulator. Even when he was born in the in the womb, he was grabbing his brother Esau's heel in order to be first born. He wanted to be in control his whole life. He always manipulated things to go his way. And God knew this fact. And so what God did is God revealed himself to Jacob in a way that matched Jacob's personality and in a way that only Jacob could hear. And that's when Jacob was not in control at all. So God showed up in his sleep. God revealed himself in a dream when Jacob was totally unaware, when Jacob was totally defenseless, God shows up, taps him on the shoulder. He shows up when Jacob's guard was down. And as such, God provides Jacob the opportunity to have an alternate course laid out for his life. God does not want to get into a discussion with a controlling Jacob. God waits until Jacob is asleep so that Jacob can't talk back and give God mouthy lip service. God knew what he was doing. Friends, this is such a wonderful good news laced story. God takes no place and makes it a holy place. God takes no person and makes a called and vital person out of him. And it all happens at Bethel, the place of blessing. It's a place that Jacob, throughout the rest of the Genesis narrative, will come and go away from several times. It's a place of remembered blessing. Bethel is where God comes, redeems Jacob, sets him on a new course in life, sets him on a new path, makes a new man out of him. The old scandalous life of a scoundrel is now replaced with a life that's reoriented towards God and God's dreams. It's the place where God surprised him with joy. Beloved, if God can do that with a person like Jacob, God is able to reveal himself to you and to me in surprising ways as well. I want you to think for just a moment. Think for just a moment. When and where in your life has God shown up when you least expected it and has given you an encounter that has changed your cor the course of your life, that's changed the outlook of your life, that's changed the way you encounter life? You see, at Bethel, Jacob became a new man. At that desert sleeping place, he was touched by God and he was never the same again. And he called it Bethel and he built a rock pile to remember the place. 
tell me, my friends, where's your Bethel? Where have you built your rock pile? The ancient Celts, our Presbyterian forebears, had a name for those places where God makes himself present in powerful ways in the world. The Celts called them thin places, thin places, after the notion that there are those certain times in our life, those places in our life, where the membrane between heaven and earth is stretched so thin that you can see and experience the other side. New York Times reporter Eric Weiner describes these type of places. He writes, These are the places that beguile, inspire, sedate, and stir us. Places where for a few blissful moments we, we loosen the death grip of our life and we can breathe again. And it turns out these Destinations have names. They're called thin places. They are locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we are able to catch glimpses of the divine. These places have the habit of disorienting us, confusing us. We lose our bearings, but we find new ones instead. We are jolted out of the old ways of seeing the world. Thin places. Bethel. The place of remembered blessings. I have my own. I have my thin place. My own Bethel. Like the Cherokee, I find the Smoky Mountains in western North Carolina to be the place where heaven touches earth for me. And it was in those mountains some 35 years ago that a young, confused teenager who was totally lost and confused experienced God's grace in deliverance for the first time. And I wasn't looking for it. It is there in the thin place of western North Carolina that I met Jesus and my life was changed forever. The deep woods of those mountains, my friend, are my Bethel and my rock pile is built there. Those are the places of remember blessing for me. If I can't go there physically, as has been the case with this silly virus, I simply close my eyes in meditation or in my prayers and I go there in my spirit. Where is that place of remembered blessing for you? Where's your Bethel? Where is the place that you can either physically or mentally go and relive the experience where you first felt the soft, deft touch of God's presence in your life? Where's your place of remember blessing? If you have not encountered a thin place in your life, 
If you have not discovered your Bethel yet, well then, I encourage you to be patient. You will. God is eager to reveal himself to each of us. We cannot force it. We cannot manufacture it. It's not that we can make our own Bethel, because Bethel, the place of remembered blessing, is a gift that God gives us in God's own time. You know it when it happens, though. It will be a surprise, and you know it has happened because you will change in the way you see yourself, the way you see your brother and sister, the way you experience the Almighty. It's that place where you catch the scent of the garden of heaven. Where's your Bethel? Where's your place of remember blessing, my beloved? Don't wait too long to go back. The Spirit, give us understanding for these words. Amen. Pray with me. Almighty God, we give you thanks for these Bethels in our life. These sacred places, these thin places where you encounter us unexpectedly and we see and hear and smell and experience your presence and the gift of heaven. Lord, we pray for those who have not experienced that place yet and that you in whimsical ways would, would show up and give those who have not experienced a, a Bethel, a place of remembered blessing, that you would allow them to have one. And for those of us in these swirly times, we pray that you would let us either go there physically or let us retreat there in the recess of our prayers in our minds and rejuvenate us again. So be it. My friends, the good news of the gospel is, is that Jesus Christ, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he wants to come in and have supper with you and you with him. If you would like to profess your faith, reprofess your faith, talk about joining the church, what does that mean? then I would encourage you to please contact me, Pastor Pam, Pastor Nick, and we would love to tell you about it. We're a church where faith is coming alive, and we invite you to join in that journey. My friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and smile sweetly, brightly, radiantly, and give you peace. Go in that peace. So be it. Amen. My friends, I invite you to take the candle that we have lit together. And as you blow out the flame, remember, you extinguish it only to light it within your own heart. 
in order that you and I may take it out into the world and be a blessing to others. Go in peace.